How can we remain faithful to God even in a lion's den? Pastor Ed Taylor says, don't think for a minute you could do it on your own strength, but rather draw on the Lord's strength. Because Daniel was able to remain faithful in the midst of extremely trying and tough times, because he experienced the power of God to stand strong. If Daniel can do it with the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, you can too. And so can I. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 13 Remember, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. It says, For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. We live in a world that's becoming more and more hostile toward Christians. All around the world, we see the persecution of believers growing at an alarming rate. And we even see that here in America, especially in recent months. Well, today on Abounding Grace, Pastor Ed Taylor teaches from Daniel chapter 6 about the persecution of Daniel that landed him in the lion's den. It is one of the more familiar stories in the Old Testament, and it has a lot to say to us about living in a world that's gone wrong. Let's take our Bibles and open them to the book of Daniel, chapter 6, as we look at the first few verses in a Bible study that I've entitled, Living Right in a World That's Wrong. And that is the choice that we're always faced with, right or wrong, good or bad. And as I was listening to another pastor this morning, he was reminding me of how our life is made up of the series of choices that we've made thus far, which is good news because we can change the way we make decisions. The Bible says that if you sow to the Spirit, you'll reap everlasting life. So the seeds of life and the seeds would be represented by the decisions that you make. Those choices you make in the Spirit and toward the Spirit is going to reap. You, you can't undo that. The, the benefit will be righteousness and goodness. However, if you sow to the flesh and those choices that are against God, then you're going to suffer the consequences. You can't get out from under that. The choice of right or wrong, the choice of being faithful or faithless. I mean, of course, it's an easy choice. We want to choose right. It's an easy choice. We want to choose faithfulness. We want to choose to follow God. We choose not to fall away. We choose to stand strong, not to drift away, but to steady on, to not turn away, but to seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Jot it down in Psalm 27, verse 7. It says, Hear me as I pray, O Lord, and be merciful and answer me. My heart has heard you say, Come and talk with me, and my heart responds, Lord, I'm coming. What an attitude to have. Now, the choice before us is often actually what stumbles us. A trial here, a tribulation there, mix that in with a little laziness, lethargy. That's where the rubber meets the road, where our faith is met with challenge, when our faith is met by choice. I mean, it's easy in a controlled environment to make good choices. 
You know, let's say you, you're laid before you 10 choices for the next 10 days. And like if you were making them today, every day, well, I'd make that choice, I'd make that choice, I'd make that choice. And then there's that planning ahead, of course. But where the rubber meets the road is in the midst of it, in the moment, when the heat is on and the times are tough, when people turn against you, when false accusations are leveled against you, when the criticism comes, when people perhaps would want to destroy your life, destroy your ministry, destroy your marriage, your purity. And you go, come on, Ed, aren't you exaggerating a little bit? Not at all. Because as we turn the clock back a few thousand years, we find an episode in Daniel's life when Daniel has a testimony of righteousness. He has a testimony of making great choices. He has a testimony, as we'll see, as living above reproach and still is faced with the choice to obey or disobey as people turn on him and want to destroy him in the chapter before us. Turning away from God when all the while... He's there for you. Turning away from God is always the bad decision. God is with us and for us, and it's always sad. One of the benefits of being in a church for an extended length of time is you get to see people grow in the grace of God. You get to see families grow. You you get to see kids that grow up in the Lord and are serving Him and and going for it and stepping out in faith where you met them when they were little, and now you see them as they're bigger, and you're just like, man, this is amazing. One of the difficulties about being in a church for a long period of time is you see a lot of people fall away. You see a lot of people turn their back on God. You see a lot of people start out strong. And and one of the things that has been a little discouraging as we are ramping up to our time next time as we celebrate our 20 years is as I'm going through a lot of old pictures and there's a lot of old faces that aren't walking with the Lord today. A lot of people that were sitting where you were or on a mission trip with us, or sharing the gospel, or maybe we're a part of a big, like I saw some pictures recently of people that were a big part of building this building financially, no longer walking with the Lord. And I'm not, not speaking just no longer attending this church. It's far more than that. They, they, some of, one picture popped up in front of me today with this person has taken an atheistic approach to God. Actually, two pictures this week came up of guys that we were serving with here, ministering here, and now have taken up this. I, and I hope it's just a season in their life. I hope that they come to their senses and repent, but now they would identify themselves as atheists and anti-God. Turning away from God when all the while he's there for you is, is sad. Listen in what the Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 13. It says, if we are unfaithful, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny who he is. Psalm 27, 10. Even if my father and mother abandon me, the Lord will hold me close. The New King James, Psalm 27, 10 says, when my mother and father forsake me, then the Lord will take care of me. And when we get to a chapter like Daniel 6, we're encouraged And I believe God reserved this chapter to encourage us. Now, it's not super encouraging to see a guy uh, being attacked and seeing the wickedness, like, like the curtain is pulled back to the wickedness that many of you have seen in your life where folks have come in against you because of your faith and because of your integrity. And because Daniel was able to remain faithful in the midst of extremely trying and tough times, because he experienced the power of God to stand strong, If Daniel can do it with the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, you can too. 
and so can I. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, and remember I'm reading from the New Living Translation, it says, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. So we have this wonderful true story to encourage us, to uplift us, and pick up with me in verse 1 of chapter 6, where we're introduced to Darius the Mede. He decided to divide the kingdom into 120 provinces, and he appointed a high officer to rule over each province. The king also chose Daniel and two others as administrators to supervise the high officers and protect the king's interests. Daniel soon proved himself more capable than all the other administrators and high officers. Because of Daniel's great ability, the king made plans to place him over the entire empire. So we have Daniel. He's the center stage here, God's man of the hour. Daniel represents to us a sure and steady, confident, faith-filled man. Then there's Darius. He's a man that rules by convenience rather than by conviction. Then we have these 120 men, this kingdom being divided, these high officers, or in another translation, satraps. These were Daniel's peers and subordinates, agents and messengers literally of Satan himself. And they're frustrated and furious over Daniel's faith. And might I just add here at the outset, many of you choose to take a more low-key approach to your faith because you don't want to experience what Daniel's experiencing in this chapter. Especially those of you that read ahead, you know they came against him full force. They, they came against him to the point where they went to the highest level of authority and leadership in the government to destroy him. Why? Because of his testimony. Because of his faithfulness. Because of his commitment to the Lord. Over a long period of time, his life frustrated the unbeliever. His life frustrated and brought anger to those that had no connection to God. God's favor was upon Daniel. And God's favor is upon you as you abide in him. You you are a favored man and a favored woman in Christ. And don't think for a moment that you won't draw out from people an anger or even so a jealousy. And jealousy is just a wicked emotion. It leads to some of the worst decisions in a person's life as they're jealous over, or as perhaps you're jealous, as you see someone have something you want, a title, a position, a possession. There will be, church, people around us that come against us as we attempt to live a righteous life in an unrighteous world. You can't get around it. We will have peers that come against us, family that comes against us, bosses that come against us, subordinates that come against us, people that think that they should have what you have, people that think they should have your job, your position, your car, your house, your marriage, your kids, on and on the list goes. Jealousy and covetousness are wicked. And sometimes the only motive is not anything that you have, it's just that you're a believer. And it seems like nothing bothers you. And there you have a sure and steady faith. And isn't there that sense sometimes where people will look at a believer that might examine your life or carefully examine your life and go, you never go through anything. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, yep, everything's fine with me. I never face any hardship. And, and because of that, because of that false conclusion, they come against you. Just because you're a believer, they have a hard time with your life. And it's only a matter of time. Listen, It's only a matter of time that their hard time becomes your hard time in short order, in a very real way. 
Darius here in verse 1 is the new leader, and he has taken over in the Babylonian kingdom has fallen as it was predicted. Darius the Mede comes and decides to rearrange the government, and he appoints 120 provinces and puts a high officer to rule over each province. And then verse 2, it says, the king chose Daniel. He chose Daniel and two others as administrators to supervise, so immediately put in a position of supervision. He supervises all the other high officers, and he, notice, was there to protect the king's interest. Why? Because Daniel was a trustworthy man. The king could trust Daniel. That was, you know, remember now, Daniel is carrying over from one government to the next. And he was carrying over from one, and, and don't think of it just like in our democratic government. This was a huge thing to have one government, one ruled world ruler fall and have the conquering kingdom come in their place. And yet Daniel's integrity passed beyond the leadership. And it says in verse 3, Check this out. You might want to mark this. Daniel soon proved himself more capable. In the New King James, he was a distinguished man. In 539 BC, with the fall of Babylon, Darius the Mede receives the kingdom. As he surveyed the kingdom for those men to help lead and rule, Daniel stood out. There was something noticeably different about him. We could say that his faith and his relationship with God changed him and marked him. In Proverbs chapter 20, verse 6, it says this, Many will say they are loyal friends, but who can find one who is truly reliable? That's good. In the New King James, it's translated, Most men will proclaim each their own goodness, but who can find a faithful man? Well, whoever's looking for a faithful man or a faithful woman, let you be the one they find. You know, I think of that passage where the Bible speaks about the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout whole, the, uh, the whole earth, looking for that person that he will show himself faithful on behalf of. And my prayer always when I'm reminded of that is, Lord, let your eyes stop here. Let us be found faithful men and women that you can entrust to us the portions of your kingdom that you would want to expand starting right here in this little church. That we would be found the faithful ones, not the unfaithful ones, now, anyone in a position of leadership can tell you this, and you don't have to be in a position of leadership for very long. That's true in the church or in the corporate world. It doesn't matter. Wherever you are, any position of leadership, with a little bit of observation, it's easy to see the faithful ones. There are characteristics that are shown in the faithful ones as much as there are characteristics shown in those that are unfaithful. And so here's Daniel. He proved himself more capable. I don't believe, with the tone of the English here, I don't believe that Daniel set out to prove himself. I don't think he took a big burden upon himself to say, I will show Darius what a faithful man I am. I think that Daniel's life proved that he was a faithful man. I don't think he had to, I'm going to show them. But rather, he lived his life in such a way that he was a follower of the one true God and he experienced the favor of God, continued to live in the favor of God. I can't help but think of Joseph, another man that had the favor of God upon him, no matter what he faced, no matter what he came against. And, and each time there was a great temptation, Joseph passed with flying colors. We'll see by the time we end chapter six in a future study, 
that Daniel too passes the tests that come to faithful men. You may think today that tests only come to the unfaithful or that big tests only come to those that need their faith challenge. No, tests also come to faithful men and women so that you and I might learn to go from glory to glory, strength to strength, that our relationship with God goes from faith to faith where God is building us. He's building our faith and building our faith through what? Through trials, through testings, through things that are outside of our control. And many times we look back and we say, oh Lord, you were so faithful even when I was faithless. In verse 3, notice, not only did he prove himself more capable than all the other administrators and high officers, but also notice because of Daniel's great ability, his excellent spirit. By this time, you know, there's estimates that Daniel's in his high 80s, early 90s. He's been around for a while. And we would think by now that a man in his 80s or 90s would by now be drawing Social Security and in full retirement mode. I put my time in. No more government work. And I've had enough of all the government drama. I've had enough of being used by God. I've done my time. But with his years of experience, he only wanted to serve God more. And I've come to learn in my own life even though I'm, uh, those years might be still a little bit up ahead, I'm closer to them now than I ever have been before, but for the believer in Jesus Christ, there's no real retirement. What do you exactly retire from? Let's just say you've dedicated your entire life pouring into business, pouring into a retirement 401k, and, and you're ready, and then you finally get to the place where you can claim it and take it. Well, what God is giving you is a gift that no longer do you have to spend all those hours a day, Monday through Friday, maybe six, seven days a week, serving at work and going into the office, but now God is gifting you all those hours to serve him in a greater capacity. And you might be dreaming about having a nice non-alcoholic drink on the beach somewhere on one of the islands of Hawaii one day. Perhaps you will, but in the Lord. Not to get away from service, but to press into deeper service. I know, I know some of the motive is, man, I'm going to work hard, work hard, because I'm counting the days until I retire. You know, one of the brothers here just moved away, faithful man in the church for many, many years. You, you probably don't see him around anymore. He's that noticeable. Uh, and he, he's moved on. I think he moved to, to Kentucky. He retired. He worked for the post office, and he worked at the main day. And I remember that a few years ago, he was so excited. I'm ready to retire, Ed. I'm done. I put my time in until he sat down with the retirement administrator and found out he didn't have enough money. And they're like, oh, man. So what did he do? He kept working for another, I think he had another five years to do. And then he put in his five years, and it was a real sad thing uh, to say goodbye to him. He launched off. They went. They, they have a house in Kentucky now. And I got a text not too long ago that he's not sitting around remodeling his house and getting things ready, although he's a master woodworker. And he put a lot, you know, the offering boxes around the, the sanctuary he built with his own hands. I showed him a picture, and he was able to make them exactly like the picture. And, and he's done a lot of work around the church when he was here. You know what he's doing now? He's got a full-time ministry that God has put into his lap, lap going into the Kentucky jails and prisons. And it's so exciting to see what God is doing in his life that now with this extra time and, you know, really, he's really, he's worked a, a long, hard career, but now he has this extra hours. He put his extra hours in the evening serving here in the church, but now he's plugged into a new fellowship and he's got a brand new, he, he didn't do that while he was here. He didn't do that to the extent that he's doing it now, 
And now he's going in and he's like, I'm getting prayer requests. I'm getting texts every week about new prayer requests about the prisoners in Kentucky. You don't retire, church. You go, Ed, that's not nice. Why are you telling me that? I just wanted to retire. Look, step away from where you earned your money. Take your 401k and serve the Lord. Jump in to see what God would have in this new season of your life. Don't think that just because you're reaching a certain age, let me speak to another group. Like, don't think that just because you're reaching a certain age that you're not wanted by the church, that you're not needed by the church, that God is done with you. You go, well, you know, or, you know, some of the attitude is, well, I'll just leave it to the, I, I don't have the energy like I did when I was, I'll just leave it to the young ones. Well, the young ones will run circles around us while we're faithful doing what God's called us to do. God wants to use the next generation and the generation behind that and the generation behind that, but he also wants to use your generation. Like God doesn't give, okay, well, as soon as you're at a certain age, that's it. You're done. We're done with you. And I know sometimes because the next, as the gospel is being handed off to those that are younger than us, and they're given more opportunity, and they're making changes, and they're adapting to their culture, those that might be older think, oh, you're leaving me behind. But you would be wrong. Nobody's leaving you behind. You're still just as needed as you ever have been in the body of Christ. God is not done with you yet. Maybe things change. Maybe you go in a new direction. Maybe God opens doors because you have a different timetable. But God wants to use those that are younger than us. God wants to use those that are older than us until our last breath on the earth. Listen, Proverbs chapter 20, verse 29. The glory of the young is their strength, but the gray hair of experience is the splendor of the old. Job 12, 12. Wisdom belongs to the aged and understanding to the old. Job 32, verse 7. I thought those who are older should speak, for wisdom comes with age. Psalm 92, verse 12. The godly will flourish like palm trees and grow strong like the cedars of Lebanon, for they are transplanted to the Lord's own house. They flourish in the courts of our God. And check this out. Even in old age, they will still produce fruit and they will remain vital and green. So if anybody's in here, I won't look. Anybody of old age, say amen. amen. <laughs> I didn't look, but I know who you are. Because <laughs> I'm looking now. It's a good thing to be used by the Lord at a young age. And it's a good thing to be used by God in middle age. And it's a good thing to be used by God in old age. Those of you that are older, those of you that have been walking with the Lord for quite some time, you bring knowledge and you bring wisdom and you bring understanding and you bring experience and you bring mistakes and you bring recovery and you, and you bring so much to the table to present to God to be used by Him. So here you have Daniel in his 80s or 90s and still submitted to the Lord, faithful, and God was using him. Allow that to encourage you today. No matter your age or stage in life, God wants to use you. Pastor Ed Taylor is developing his study of Daniel right now on Abounding Grace. Thanks for taking part in today's Bible study. To hear it again, visit our website at AboundingGraceRadio.com, or you can hear us through our app. Simply search for Calvary Aurora in the App Store or Google Play and download the free app today. We couldn't be more excited about the resource we picked out for you this month. It's a book by Max Licato called In the Grip of Grace. The message of the world is try harder and work smarter. You've got it in you. You can do it. But the message of the Bible is something entirely different. 
In essence, we're told, stop striving and being self-sufficient, but rather land in the arms of a God who loves you and be refreshed by His grace. Dive deep into the riches of God's grace as you read, In the Grip of Grace. And we'll gladly send you a copy when you support Abounding Grace today with a gift of $25 or more. Just pick up the phone right now and call 877-30-GRACE. We want this radio ministry to be the sort of ministry that God uses too. And that's our prayer. It's our heart's desire. If you'd like to get behind what we're doing and offer a one-time gift or ongoing support, we would sure appreciate it. This would be a good time to hear from you. You can donate to the ministry at AboundingGraceRadio.com or, again, call 877-30-GRACE. Ed Taylor is the pastor at Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado, and we invite you to join us online for a service. Whether you live hundreds of miles away, you're out of town on vacation, or sick and can't leave your home, the live stream is always there for you. Go online to calvaryco.church. Saturdays at 6 p.m., Sundays at 8.45 and 10.45 in the morning. There's a midweek service, too, Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Again, we're at calvaryco.church. And then look for online campus. Well, that's all the time we have for today. But come back next time when Pastor Ed Taylor will resume our series in Daniel on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church Colorado here in Aurora.